Many years ago, I found myself at the bottom of a 30-foot hole digging in an archaeological rune in Israel. My discoveries were hardly earth-shattering, although my partner and I found a floor of the very earliest Canaanite dwelling in Tel Dan. If you ever read the book The Tell, the very first floor of the very first settlement was what I dug up. It was not very exciting. After all, we didn't find any interesting jewelry or intact pots. But the very fact of finding something that someone left behind or even the stone floor upon which they walked gave rise to my active imagination. What did they do in this room? Who walked on these floors? What were their names? And so forth. The questions we ask reflect our need to know everything. And our imaginations take us to the past to give clarity to our present. I have thought about that week or so down in the hole digging, finding the remnants of a life and reconstructing that life through an active imagination with relatively scant evidence is an exercise that never ends and evinces more and more questions. I always thought about the snippets of people's lives through the lens of archaeology and, of course, through memory. But I never really thought about the snippets of my life and what people would find after I was long gone. But I had a taste of it a couple of months ago. By the time I had left my house in a fashion after spending 14 or 15 weeks in quarantine and not going anywhere, just like all of you, I felt the pressing need to get to the temple and to resume some kind of normalcy. It was a place of focus and comfortable assurance that there was going to be continuity in my life and in the life of the temple. And so when I got to the temple, I did a quick survey to see what I had missed and to get clues about what happened while I was gone. How? To be honest, everything looked pretty much the same. While there were some distinct changes, hand sanitizer was everywhere, the first elements of our new video system were making an appearance, and, of course, there was a leak in my office ceiling. But then I came to the sanctuary, and immediately I saw the moment my life changed. It was written all over the Bema. We closed the temple almost immediately after Purim. On the Bima were the two Megillot we read from. There was a Purim mask. There was a grogger. There was a copy of the Purim spiel and a Yartzeit list from the last Shabbat that we gathered on March the 6th. It was an eerie feeling seeing the remnants of my life that were suddenly abandoned so that I, like all of us, could stay safe and deal with something that so few of us even pondered. And coming back to those suddenly abandoned things got me wondering about the other things that we abandoned. And if we returned to ponder all of those things, what would they tell us about ourselves? As we begin these days of awe, it's a thought worth pondering. The Machzor, the prayer book for the days of awe, comes from the Hebrew word Chazar, which means to return. The customary idea is that it is a guidebook to return to the state of spiritual purity we once enjoyed, unsullied by our sin and malice. But in light of the virus and our return to a new kind of normal life, a normal which has yet to shake out, I'm looking at the Machzor, the book of return, to guide us to return back to our lives 
and to all of the things that we left behind, like the Migilot on the Bima and a Yartzeit list from 15 or six weeks before, we might be surprised at what we left in our wake. I think most of us would look back and feel pretty good about ourselves, and I think that would be a pretty accurate assessment. We are generally good people. We truly do want to make the world a better place. The law of kindness is on our lips, and we live out our years ethically and honorably. And yet, even though we are sure of our own basic decency, we still come together for these days of awe. There is some spiritual gravity that brings us closer to God and to the Godlike which dwells in our innermost parts. We may be good. We may think of ourselves as good. But we also know that we are in need of repair. We seek that forgiveness we all know we need. We ask God and each other to cover up these things that we are not proud about ourselves. We seek to Kippur, as in Yom Kippur, to cover up and Yom Kippur, a day of covering up. And we ask God to Kippur our shortcomings, not to erase them, but rather to offer us the permission and the opportunity to start again. Today is the moment we are given the permission to look over the shards of what we have left behind this year, and without judgment or threat of judgment, a threat of punishment of any kind, we embrace the possibilities of a new year. It's a year of growth, a year of wisdom, and leaving remnants of honor and glory behind us from this Rosh Hashanah to the next. And we begin that process tonight, but we begin in the oddest ways. I don't recall ever reading much in the annals of Jewish history about how a community engaged the days of awe in the middle of a pandemic. And though there were many dire situations where Jews could not be Jews in public, there was not something quite like this that I have ever read. This is the strangest of these strange days because for the first time ever, we can't see anyone, we can't be seen. I have no idea who's worshiping with us tonight. We can lament the situation, but let's not. Let's try to take what the pandemic has given us and see if each of us can individually build something meaningful. Let's use this moment as a gift. Instead of being together, feeling a little intimidated or constrained in our worship, let's take these moments, these upcoming days, afford us to do something truly remarkable, the chance to engage in real return that not only not only takes us to a place where our sins are not noticed, but perhaps even more importantly, to a place where we can look over the things that we left behind over the past year and over the past lifetime and wonder if these shards and fragments of our lives were ennobling and brought light into the world, or whether or not our deeds and words were demeaning, destructive, and reflected wasted chances for something better. Picking up those shards is hard, but what better way than to do it and not worry about what the neighbors think? They can't see you anyway. Tonight you can get emotional about prayer, and maybe for the first time ever, maybe not, make a connection with something bigger and more meaningful than our own little world. And in doing so, widen our circles 
so that the shards we leave in the coming year are life-giving and light-giving. When I was in that hole many years ago, standing on the floor of the first Canaanite dwelling, which was more than 5,000 years old, I picked up the stones of the floor and I tried to reconstruct the narrative about what life was like for the person who walked on it. I will never know if my narrative was right or wrong, accurate or completely off base. But that stone was part of a life in the same way that the shards and pieces of our lives are pieces of our lives that we have left behind. To revisit them and to pick them up carefully, examining their contours helps us to create a narrative of where we have been and presents us with a choice as to what kind of remnants we want to leave behind in the next year. In the end, we will use those shards and we will once again examine and build a new life out of those building blocks. Our shards are our handiwork, but they are pieces of what we are, not telling stones of what we can be. The still small voice, the divine voice is reaching deep within our souls and giving us a chance to bend over, to pick up the shard, examine it and return our lives as moments of joy or as moments of regret that we need to correct. All we need to do is look at the shard. The journey begins anew tonight. The machzor is open before us. The words return to God beckon us. The phrases to return our shards and fragments summon us to a new place, to a new us, and in doing so give us the opportunity to leave moments of light behind us. And to turn our fragments of sin into light is the power and promise of this great day. And so I wish you a Shana Tova, a year of blessing to all of us as we pray for the moment when we can share together again. May we all, even in our confined state, leave behind remnants of light, of glory, of honor in the coming year. Shana Tova.